0: As the day continues to wane, the party begins to reconvene. The Archbishop returns to Val just as he sees Leroth and Kelniace approaching. Kelniace, a rather sour expression on her face, actually pulling the older Elvkin along. Rolandir, Ifron, and Lyrian are likewise just returning from the camp after their successful conclusion to the mission. As everyone then reconvenes, Kelnius gives Lerotz a little push forward and says, Well then, would you like to explain to the others what you plan to do?
1: I I wouldn't say I plan to do anything. I mean, I'm going to burn down the camp, but uh, yes, it's uh, it's less of a plan and more of a certainty. Uh, In fact, I was going there right now. I don't know why you put it back here. I understand you weren't a fan, but if you didn't want to participate, you could just, you know, have left. It's not a big deal. We can make this work ourselves. There's no need for you to get involved like this.
2: And now, Leroth, how exactly do you plan to burn down the camp? Do you have some fuel with which to light it on fire that I am not aware of?
1: No, you know, Ifran, I have always thought good of you. You have seemed to be such a stout fellow, smart man. And I think this is an excellent question, and the answer that I have to it is military camps, particularly when empty of people, are excellent sources of fire. That waxed canvas goes up like a candle when you just apply enough heat. So give me about 20 minutes, a couple of supply tents, and a torch, and I can guarantee the whole thing will be dust by dawn.
3: At this point, Rolandier pushes his way kind of to the front, where he'd been trailing behind the group coming back from the camp. And he gets kind of right up in Leroth's face. And he says, You mean you intend to burn this place down as they're leaving to go to war? What kind of soldier are you going behind their back, sabotaging them like that? You want to take on your enemy, that's fine. But
1: do it to their face, not behind their back. Now you see, Rolander, that is exactly the point. I would take on the enemy to their face. But unfortunately... I was forced to promise by some people here that I would not do that. So instead, I have decided I cannot participate in the battle by myself. You have all made me say that I would not interfere, That we must let it happen as it would happen, so I shall. I'm just going to burn down the houses, so whatever they come back to is much less comfortable. I promise not to kill almost anyone.
0: Speaking of the battle... You hear the distant shouts and screams of death as the armies clash just over the nearest ridge, but it's not that. It's not the fighting. On the very edge of your vision, you see both human and kin forces, but they're retreating, running away from each other. The air is suddenly filled with acrid smoke that washes over you, and you smell the thick stench of burned hair and flesh wafting toward you in great waves of wind. A burst of white light in the distance streaks from the clouds and impacts the ground below, silhouetting countless figures in white flame before they're snuffed out of existence by this ethereal fire. A dark shape in the sky grows larger and larger. More jets of white and black light and fire streaking from it, bathing the battlefield in destruction, as shrub and war machines and corpses and living beings alike are all caught aflame. The fire slowly takes on a more noble hue, but when it comes from its source, it's pure white, silhouetted by black, unearthly and unreal. The shape moves closer, and closer, finally becoming clearer through the clouds. A three-headed, serpentine beast with gaping, toothy jaws at the end of each of its long, scaly necks. Its skin and scales are black as the deepest night, and shine as it spouts the ghostly flames at the battlefield below. Great, leathery wings flap against the wind, driving back the smoke that clogs the air. For the time, it ravages and clears the battlefield before you, and does not fly any closer your way. A few of you may even recognize this creature.
4: Well, this isn't good, but I think that's Quenberg. Now that I think about it, back when you saw Vamak in the bucket, I think that was her voice.
3: As Lyrian says this, Relandir is nodding his head in agreement. Yes, we knew her as Quenberg, actually, but she is no mere mortal woman. She is the grieving mother of Azaleth, what we in the old world would call a demon. She owes her power to Vale, but is not his servant. She is, in fact, his foe, as she wishes to avenge her daughter who died at Vale's hands. I had my suspicions as well when we scried on Vamak, but now I'm sure she was the woman he was with in those underground halls. She's his ally. She's our enemy.
2: Then I do not suppose that she has come here to simply talk with us. It might be prudent to proceed as quickly as possible into the Kinlands um, without drawing her attention.
1: I into not I mean, let's look at this place. If we can get through there now, there's no one stopping us. I mean, there's a giant fire-breathing dragon and all that. That doesn't matter. Look, if we can get through here, we can get through. There are no kin, and there are no humans, and there is no battle, which means there is no camp for me to burn down. It is the best of both worlds.
5: Well, whatever it is, we should do it discreetly and quickly.
1: A
0: wave of heat suddenly washes over all of you as... A streak of fire impacts the camp where three of you just were momentarily, obliterating it in almost an instant. You see this figure of the creature that was the Lady Quenberg that some of you knew from Merhold, or as Rolandir just called her, the grieving mother of Azalith. She burns a ring of fire around you, enough to encompass both You all, and herself, as she then lands not far from you. This massive beast writhes, as Valin Leirots and Kel'niase and Saren haven't seen her before in this form. But she appears as if she's made from millions of writhing worms or serpents, all strung and intertwined together to create this larger, disgusting hole. And as she stomps towards you, they fall apart. They unravel until standing in this pile of black sludge, walking down from this mass of worm-like corpses, is a simple noblewoman. A face familiar to most of you. And Val, who she actually addresses first as she strolls over saying, Ah. Master Eventide, I see you've joined this merry band. Then she looks to Ephron, Mick, Lyrian, and briefly at Rolandir, but then more focusing on the other three. You were most definitely not what I thought you were the last time we met. A shame, really. Our encounter may have gone much more in your favor, had I known. What do you mean by that? Well... My dear one, there are many things at work that you are yet unaware of. And me and my own seek to rectify these things. At this point, Saren is taken aback. He's drawn his weapon. He's just looking between everyone here and he's like, What the devil is this woman talking about? Why are we not charging her? What's, what are you all waiting for? This is some ungodly. Beast Saren, and-
2: Saren, please. Um, if you would like to charge, you may go ahead. But I'm sure that I am not the only one who has noticed that she clearly outmatches us, as evidenced by the destruction she has left in her wake. Perhaps it may be wise to hear her out.
1: No, I have uh, historically never, never said no to a fight, but I can see the wisdom in your decision. Maybe it is best that we listen first and fight later.
3: Rolandier now addressing the noble lady standing in front of him. You're obviously here on errand from Vermak. Perhaps he works for you, I'm not quite sure. But either way, what are you here for? You see,
1: Vermak,
0: your friend, yes, yes, we both have a mutual goal, and it is. wise dealing that he saw fit to work alongside me. You see, the Valors have stopped up their game in hunting you. Even those that might have seemed friendly, or at least ambivalent to you, have turned to the other side. And she looks toward Lyrian. Vale himself is especially angry, to a perhaps violent and vengeful degree. I believe You, my otherworldly friend, she says again to Lyrian, had some arrangement with him that was not kept? Not kept yet. It's complicated. I would not try his patience, for believe me, he is an impatient being. You can trust me, for I was once the instrument of Vale's wrath. But that is a a story for another time. For right now, to put it "...quite plainly. We need your help. You all are a key to a door we have not yet found. The Valors... they are simply pawns, as you are, but pawns that are already three moves ahead. In order for your true purpose here to be revealed, the Valors need to be taken out of the picture. Mind you, you won't be able to kill them. Banish them, for sure." But not permanently. However, each of the Valor's power is manifest in some being that occupies this mortal realm. For instance, I am the manifestation of Veil's wrath. Veil's power. And like myself, these are horrendous, terrible things of ancient pacts and consequences. Each of them making manifest the very worst a Valor can conjure. Now, don't worry about your Goliath friend. Vamok has plans of his own, but we track a different enemy for now. Believe me, however, when I say we are on the same side. I will take you to him as a gesture of goodwill when it is time and safe to do so. But as I said, the Valors have intensified their actions against you. They are pawns. And to find out who is moving the pieces, that is the greater task. You must play your part for now. Prepare yourselves. Build your abilities. And move against the Valors. For us. For yourselves. Your old home. And Egedon. Once their powers diminished, we can strike a true blow. And reveal all that has been shrouded.
3: Sounds like quite the proposition you have for us, but you did fail to mention one thing, and that is why these Valors are so interested in us. Why they've stepped up their efforts, as you say. We are, as you've made blatantly apparent, of no great consequence. You could easily take us out if you wish by yourself right now. Why do these beings put forth so much effort at our expense?
0: On the contrary...
3: My (laughs) newly born friend,
0: I'll excuse your ineptitude for now. Look around you. Your little band here is quite exceptional. And your comrades that came through the rift before you? Yes, yes, I know about that. They have tampered with time and space in unnatural ways. And are an altogether new player in this wider game we play. When and where they will come in, I know not. But when they do, they will do so in force. And before they are able to do that, we must find out the answer to those questions, Relandia. For we know not why the Valors are hunting you. Why the Valors have striven so much to bring you under their influence. Ever since you stepped in this world, you have been their instruments. You created one of them. And now they'll repay you with death. Why? Again, I do not know. Someone has always been pulling your strings, but someone was even pulling theirs. For Mark's goal and mine is to find out who that is. And until we can, we are all at risk. This whole world is at risk. And I fear many more beside it.
3: With this, Rolander kind of claps his hands together and looks around. Well, that is a daunting task, I do admit. However, currently, we are on a pretty explicit errand from the one who calls himself the Wanderer to find Vamak and to show ourselves in his presence. So... I don't know if you are friend or foe of this being called the Wanderer, but it would help us tremendously, and perhaps then we could be on this errand with you, if we were to see Vamok sooner, rather than later.
0: I know nothing of this Wanderer being, but as I said, when the time is right, I will take you to Vamok. Until then, you will have no hope of reaching him. And with the Valors pursuing you, if they were to find him as well, then... Well, things would grow much more dire.
5: Well, it seems that our hands are tied, apparently at least. Um, what does this entail, then, this favor that we have to give to you?
0: Oh, it's really not a favor. I assure you, it's a necessity, and your lives depend on it. As I said, I, I beg of you, trust me, I am on your side.
1: To be honest, it just seems like you want us to continue doing what we are doing. So, let's just do that. If our journey is forward, let us go forward. If you would like us to get stronger and prepare more, very well. We can do so.
0: You are not far off, Elfkin. You must flee here. Neither army will be forgiving for the devastation I've wrought, and when I'm gone, you'll be the only ones left to blame. So I implore you, please, flee north, past this wasteland of charred earth and broken bones. A two days journey will bring you to the town of Dornbreich. Help them however you can, and you'll meet an old friend. And what do you think I should do about my problem? You must perform Vale's task. I will take you to Mainstay, but you cannot stay here. The longer you do so, the more you risk bringing his wrath upon you. And believe me, You already have all the Valors against you. These are not beings to be trifled with. You know that. These are nearly gods. A reality, such as Vale, is unfathomably worse. Do not draw his ire, I beg of you.
1: He seemed perfectly cordial the last time we spoke. But, uh, I will take your warning.
4: Lyrian's kind of sitting there. He just looks like he's contemplating the situation.
2: Lyrian. You look very contemplative. Is there anything you wish to say?
4: Uh, Unfortunately, I believe that she has a point. I did know that this would anger Vale. I I would prefer not to die. But if I'm with you all, then there's a chance that you will be caught up in my problem.
3: At that, Rolander walks over to Lyrian and places a hand on his shoulder. Well, we've... Tried to get you out of this one way or another, but unfortunately I do believe she is right. We know how fickle these Valors can be, and veil vale as a reality in particular. I, I do believe if you do not leave now, he will, will incur the wrath that we do not wish upon ourselves.
2: Lyrian, I am sad that you must leave us, but I understand that it is something you must do. So, I wish you the best of luck. And I have a small gift for you. And he reaches into his pack and he pulls out uh, a little bottle filled with a golden looking alcohol. And he says, here, it is called Bakshi. It is made from uh, the golden grass in the fields of Imera. Perhaps you will like it, uh, perhaps not, but it is quite a treat. And I was saving it for something special. And I think this would qualify.
4: Thank you, Efron. And don't worry. I don't plan on abandoning you or anyone else. I will help in any way that I can.
2: Very good. I am glad to hear it. Farewell, Lyrian.
1: Lyrots steps forward. Lyrian, I have not known you long, but I must say, of all this riff-raff with which I have been comforting lately, you are of the most capable and finer sort. And. uh, well, as you must go, which fair enough do go safety, peace, all that you know, and uh I don't know, keep in touch, I guess I don't really know you you uh, you seem to live longer than most of these humans, a little different than them, so if you ever find yourself needing something to do here in about a hundred years, come on by, we can have a drink, maybe of we'll that uh I'll uh, good journey to you. I hope that you are able to complete your duty toward Val without losing yourself to him. Kelnius actually steps forward and
0: she says, Keep up your kenlish. We'll see you soon. And she takes an awkward step back.
5: And Mick steps forward and goes, Larian, my boy! And embraces him and goes, Take care. And find your way back to us, if you will. And then Mick releases and goes from off of his tippy-toes back to Flatfoot and retreats.
0: (laughs) Saren gives you a curt wave and says, Wish we'd done this sooner. Could have joined you. But, well. Knowing the something you (laughs) said. Saren. Quenberg looks quite matter-of-factly at Saren and says, It would be best for him actually to not be alone in Mainstay. In fact, if you are visiting the Arcanum as I believe you intend you may run into the other individual that had the pleasure of making your acquaintance back in Merhold, Arcanist Holden if you remember Saren looks at Lyrian then quite earnestly and says well um, if you'll have me, I'll do my best to keep you safe
4: of course Saren, I would never reject the help of a friend
1: uh, friend you say <laughs> high, high laurels for that one uh, acquaintances really even farther <laughs> than I would get. You know, I might <laughs> stick with, I don't know. A colleague. Constant annoyance.
6: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Val kind of like holds back for a second and then goes in for like just a bone crushing hug and um like holds on Lyrian very tightly and just says very softly um, into his ear over his shoulder. Thank you for being my friend. And then lets him go.
4: As Val is letting go, he just kind of softly says back, anytime.
3: Relandir, now after seeing everyone else kind of make their peace and part ways with Lyrian, he goes up to Kelnaeus and he says, I noticed while I was back on your ship that there was a large quantity of various gems and other refined stones. You wouldn't happen to have any in your pouch, would you?
0: She gives a little quizzical look and then she rummages through her sack. She's like, eh, this might do. She hands you the
3: tiniest little sapphire. Orlandier kind of picks it up, gives it a quick once-over, gives it a, you know, a little toss in his hand and snatches it and then he walks over to uh, Illyrian and reaching over to him, he has this tight grip on this rock and you can see almost like there's little paths or vein his veins are starting to kind of crawl but ever so slightly and it almost looks like he's in pain but then he just simply releases it and he's got a small grin on his face and the 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 stone has not a glow to it but you do notice that it has this almost swirling not ever coming back together and congealing form but it, it, you can tell it's very clearly a small bit of liquid kind of being stored inside and Merlandir hands you the stone and simply says, With this, you'll always be able to find your way back to us. Just keep it close.
4: Thank you, Relandir. This will be a great help. I, I'll be back soon, though.
3: I do hope so.
0: Quenberg takes a step forward and says, This is all very touching, but it's time to go. And with a wave of her hand, northward A section of this flaming ring dissipates. The rest of you make your way through there, north, until you reach a stretch of cliffs. Go along there till just after dark, and you'll be able to make camp. Don't light a fire, though. It'll be cold, but I wouldn't say you should risk it. The armies are still about, and they'll search for some culprit. Stay away from the battlefield. Stay away from here. And then she reaches out her hands for Lyrian and Saren. Saren grasps her hand firmly and then stands beside her. And she waits for Lyrian to do the same.
4: Well, let's be going. And Lyrian grabs her
0: wrist. And this mass of worms and whatnot that made up her monstrous. Form starts to writhe and shift behind them as it rises up slowly and then tips forward until it just smashes on top of the three of them. And then all those bits and pieces of black ichor and worm-like creatures just scatter into the ground, dissolving into the dirt as sludge, leaving no trace of Quenberg, Saren, or Lyrian. As you look around, the fire starts to change then from its white and black hues to a more calming red and orange. The gap in the fire still present to the north.
1: Well, it seems like we are fairly clear to the north then. And you see Lerotzi kind of adjusts his backpack and his stuff in general, kind of situating himself. Has uh, anyone noticed that... We seem to have an uncommonly high number of divine or semi-divine actions occur while we are here. I merely comment because, uh, from my time with you all, well about sort of ten seconds, I've heard you mention, I think, two or three encounters. I had one when I was horrifically and uncorrectly stolen to Vale's realm by a coward on the battlefield, and then once more when we were fleeing that same realm. This seems like something uh, higher than the average that one can expect.
6: You will get used to it.
3: (laughs) I've been here only a month, and it seems to be a quite common occurrence. I say, things must have changed in the 800 years you've been gone, but come on, I'll tell you about them as we make our way through this burning alley. As you do move out away from
0: the battlefield, you keep to yourselves, you keep quiet, you stay low, and you make it to safety. You are able to follow these cliffs that Quenberg instructed you to do so, and you're able to make a quick camp for the night. And though it is, as she said, it would be quite cold, it would not be a smart idea to risk a fire. And so the night drags on quite unceremoniously. Now, as morning breaks on the next day, as Quenberg says, it's a two-day's journey to Dornbreich. And said journey is difficult, to say the least. As you continue onward, stretches of no-man's land meld into blackened forests, the ground blanketed with dead leaves and ash. It isn't until nightfall on that first true day of your travels that the forests grow more sparse, but more vibrant. The ground becomes more uneven as it rises and falls in little hills, And as night comes upon you again, your party finds a little valley nestled within the hills and trees, which would be a safe place to set up camp.
6: Are we in Kinlands now?
0: Officially, yes.
6: I will say that Val, whenever we had officially crossed into Kinlands, would have changed seeming. Now that Lyrian's gone, I don't know who is going to play Val uh, in our little charade, so I guess we will leave Val out of it. So Val would have changed his appearance to look like his father. So a, a rather distinguished, older <laughs> Elvarette with short white hair. And Mick, I believe, is going to play his mother. <laughs> so she's a, an, another distinguished looking Elvaret. Her hair is kind of a soft pink. Uh, the rest of you are disguised currently as um, household servants. So young Elvorette.
0: Kelnius, as she's setting out her bedroll near the fire and just looking at herself that this illusion has been placed upon her, she's like, this is, this is not a good look for me. And she lies
1: down and readies herself for bed. Lidlitz turning to Kelnius says, I have a your glorious countenance. It's an absolute shame to hide it under such a common face. Is he hitting on her? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lerotz has been hitting on her since they met. It's also true, we you know Lerotz is like reaching the old age, so he's kind of like a gross old guy. He <laughs> can oh, no. say whatever he's he not wants. super gross.
4: Like he's he's you know he's he just thinks he's more youthful than he is. Yeah,
1: it's not that he's gross. I think gross is doing him a disservice. It's more that he's just older, and depending on how old Kelnias is, maybe he's a little too old. So it's like it's like a guy who's like fifty hitting on someone who is however old she is, roughly.
0: She gives him just this blank stare, spits in the fire, and rolls over. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, dear.
2: As everybody is settling down, um, front puts his back to a tree or a rock. Are there
0: more rocks or trees? You're in a clearing, so there's trees on the outskirts of the clearing. It's small, but you'd be... a, a distance away from everyone else.
2: Well, that's fine. As everyone is settling down, Ephron goes towards the edge of the clearing a little ways away from everybody, and he he takes out a little pipe hand-carved, and he puts a little something in the end of it and uses a little matchstick to light it, and then he's just sitting there giving a couple of puffs, stroking some facial hair that's coming in because he hasn't shaved in a while. So... His normally clean-shaven features are now looking shaggy. Upon
1: seeing Ifran stroking his newly growing facial hair, Lerotz, who, as we all know, has a big God of War four Kratos beard, goes, Ah, it looks good on you. A fine chin to bear such mighty hair. I can see it looking well. Thank you, Leroz. That is
2: very flattering. Perhaps one day it will be as great and magnificent as your
1: own. If it could, that would be impressive. Though I must say, always remember, shave the neckbeard. It gets them every time. Neckbeard, nothing turns off the ladies like neckbeard. Nothing wrong with the chin, but the neck.
2: Ugh. Lerots, you are wise beyond your years.
1: As Lerotz is having this
3: heart-to-heart <laughs> with Evrano by the tree, <laughs> um, where are Mick and Val and me Are they, like, by the fire, or...?
6: I think Val would be by the fire.
3: Kelnias is right by the fire, yeah.
5: Yeah, I uh, Mick was also starting to get closer to Kelnias, but is kind of walking towards Kelnias.
3: Okay. Rolander, j- he's been just kind of sitting by the fire. He noticed that conversation between Ledrots and Ephron and just kind of shakes his head, and then he turns back to the others. Well, we've been traveling all day, but we haven't really addressed it. What do we all think of our encounter with the former Lady Quanberg, Kelnias just
0: lifts her head up from her bedroll and says, Didn't know her before? Don't know her now? Oh well.
5: Well, Kelnias, you may not know her, but perhaps you could give us some information on the workings of Vale. After all, you out of all of us know more about him. Perhaps his tactics or ways that we can be evasive?
0: Right now, honestly, if- Lyrian's doing what Lyrian's supposed to do, Vale shouldn't be a problem. It's his underlings, the Valors, that apparently we have to worry about.
3: I would have to agree with that. Vale, as I've said before, really, and he kind of tilts his head back and forth, should be considered an ally for now. And I believe we're doing everything we can to uh, assuage him so that he will be somewhat helpful should we need him, but I truly do not think in any way that we should go along with what she was saying, that yes, I do think there are beings after us, but we should not side with her. Not that I think any of you were, necessarily, and he's kind of eyeing um Kilnaeus, but uh clearly those against us are very aware of us.
6: And what do you think we should do about it?
3: For now, we have a benefit, that they necessarily don't know whether or not we should be against them or whether we think we will help them. For all intents and purposes, they still view us as ignorant pawns, which, for the most part, we are, but we do have a good idea of who to trust and who not to trust. And I think that gives us the advantage that we we can go along. We have our goals. We know we still need to find Vamak. We need to find Lunavra, and... Honestly, those are the two things that we should be doing with our deepest, deepest intentions. I think you're wrong. Kilnias sits up. And with a genuinely inquisitive look, Rolandier just says, And why do you think so?
0: We don't have the advantage. We are pawns, as she made clear. A <laughs> bit condescending. But if she's to be believed and by extension, this Vamok character, and maybe even then by extension, this Veil, vale, who you are so adamant is our ally, then the Valors are also just pawns. And we're on opposite sides. And at some point, we're going to meet. And they're not going to question if we're with them or against them. They're going to take us out. They're going to remove us from play. And we won't have a say in this game that these forsaken gods are playing with us and she actually stands and she takes up her bedroll and she moves more toward the edge of the clearing and lays back down and just is silent for the rest of the night
6: then I spoke with Vale when we went to meet him and he offered me intent I asked him why and he said that he did not know and I am inclined to think him truthful in that moment, so the idea that there are forces larger than even veil vale at work here, I think is quite likely
3: and Rolander, who by this point had kind of picked up a stick and just starting to draw things in the ground just mindlessly, looks up. no, you are quite right actually i I know there are, but and, and he kind of shakes himself from that um and then looks back up uh, either way regardless of who is at stake here who is the true puppet master and who are the pawns we do have a part to play in doing something to take the power away from the one who hopes to destroy it all now what will come of that I have as good of a guess as the good captain over there but I do know that well there's really only one thing to do and it's to try
0: and with that Night has fully come upon you. It's been a long day of just straight walking mile after mile through monotonous forest. It'd be all best to rest up.
6: Could I cast sending before we go to sleep? Yes. Okay. Val would like to contact Luna. And um, <laughs> I think he'll be very casual at this point. Send her a message just saying... Uh, hello? How are you? Are you safe?
0: And you receive, in return, not instantaneously, but within a matter of seconds, no more than a minute, an answer in your mind that says, Yes, for now. We'll see you all soon. As you all rest then, and the morning breaks then, and you start out on your second full day of travel... It's quite plain, actually, to see that your supplies won't last much longer. Between sparse meals and threshold, food when you could in the Valor's domains, and whatever time you had to eat from Count Algier's estate onward, your rations and water are severely depleted. The foothills experience a steady incline as you enter a more mountainous region. Large valleys cut from ages of river and wind erosion slice through the gray rock, leaving steep cliffs on either side of you, dotted with dark pine trees. The higher you get, the slower things go, and a thick fog rolls down from above. It is terribly, terribly cold as you press forward, and it's nearly dark before you finally feel the ground beneath your feet sloping downward once more. It's still a couple more hours traveling in almost complete darkness before you can see the distant light ...of what might be some village or town, possibly your destination, Dornbreich. But it would take another few hours at least to cross the plains ahead. And right now, you can hear a distant thunderstorm. With the safety of the trees and the rocks around you, it's best to rest for one more
5: night.